Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Orange and Brown Talk podcast, day two of Brown's training camp. Dan Lobby, Mary Cabot, and Ashley. We are recapping everything that happened here in Berea, and we are in our wonderful spot and hallway uh, behind the media room that we discovered. We were just talking about this before I record. The acoustics back here are great. Or maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they aren't as great as I think, but it <laughs> seems like they're pretty good back here. Yeah, it, it feels like, starting to feel like home back here. Yeah. I kind of like it. <laughs> we not set up a desk and all that. It's not the closet, though. The closet was Mary Kay and I used to have a little closet with a bunch of Browns memorabilia that we would record in, but they took that away from us. So yeah. I miss it. Those were the days. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, Browns training camp today. Let's talk about Anthony Schwartz. Uh, and I have a question off of this, but let's just real quickly kind of remind everyone what happened today with Anthony Mary Kay. Yeah, it was so unfortunate. I mean, to see Anthony go down, he's running routes on air, he pulls up, he felt something, it looked like in his knee. A trainer worked with him on the field for a little while. Uh, Anthony had a little bit of look of consternation on his face, which uh, our great photographer, Josh Gunter, captured. Uh, Those guys are so good. Um, And so there he was on the field getting tended to, and then he got up and he walked the long expanse of the field into the field house, and I watched him the whole entire way, and what I noticed was that he wasn't really limping during that long walk, Uh, so that was good. And also, he passed up a cart on the way, and he didn't get on it. So that was also good. He didn't have to get carted into the field. That was my first yeah. thought when he was walking that way. Like, I saw the cart over there. Like, Ooh, yeah. are they going to cart yeah. him in? And he walked normally just kind of slow, like a yes. little bit more deliberately, yes. but he was not, like you said, limping or exactly. anything. Now, he had a towel over his head the whole way, which, you know, sometimes means that, you know, you don't want anybody to see the look on your face. Right. Um, but anyways, so... Unfortunate because for a lot of reasons. I mean, I just wrote about him last week, and uh, he really wanted to bounce back and wants to bounce back from his tumultuous rookie season, his star-crossed rookie year where so many things happened. Uh, very eager to get out there, show everyone on this podcast besides me <laughs> what he can actually do. And um, so it, it was unfortunate to see that. We don't have an update at this time as we're taping this right now. On Thursday around yeah, about what, 4, 435. 4.30. Yeah. We don't have an update yet. I've been asking everybody that I possibly can. And uh, so we don't know anything yet. Hopefully it's nothing too serious because, of course, David Bell is also out right now with a foot injury. 
Yeah, Ashley, that, so I did have this other question, but I do want to get your thoughts just on Anthony Schwartz first. Um, like Mary Kay said, this is just sort of another in a run of bad luck yeah. for him as he's trying to, I mean, we, we sort of had this debate on the podcast earlier. He's not really on the bubble, but you can end up on the bubble pretty quickly. He's at least trying to, to keep himself in that discussion to be, you know, the number three, number four guy. Yeah, the first thing I thought of was that quote in Mary Kay's story where, like, he said he just he just wants to put that rookie year behind him. So, like, second practice, first one outside, <laughs> and then this happens. And obviously, we don't know the extent of it, but... I just think so much of what we've talked about with Anthony over and over and over again is how missing training camp last year with it was a hamstring, right? Mm-hmm. How that greatly like impacted his rookie year. So, you know, for his sake, hopefully it's nothing that's going to keep him out long term because he really like needs this training camp, I think. Okay, so here's my question. And I feel like this is something even before this and before David Bell, this is something that maybe we all kind of agreed on. Do the Browns need to start thinking now about adding a wide receiver, Mary Kay? They've been pretty stubborn about it, but they're short David Bell now. They're short Anthony Schwartz. I kind of felt like coming into this, and I think most of us did, this team was maybe a receiver short anyway. Does this speed that up? Does this add any sense of urgency? Like, do they have to add a guy? I suppose it depends on if, you know, if Anthony's only going to be out a couple days, maybe you don't. But I don't know. Does this change anything? Well, it depends on the nature of Anthony's injury, as you just mentioned, because I asked Kevin yesterday, does David Bell's injury mean you need to add somebody? And he said no. So uh, the only way I think this changes anything is if Anthony's going to be out for three weeks, a month, or something like that. Then I think you're into that territory of, hey, let's give somebody a call. What it also does, though, It gives a couple of these young guys an opportunity to really make their mark. And there's one to really watch out for, and that is sixth-round pick Michael Woods from Oklahoma. They are very intrigued by him. They like him a lot. And I'm going to call my shot right now. He's making the 53. Wow. I'm putting him on the 53. Did you put him on the 53? No. no, right? I ran out of I ran out of bodies. Ran out. I ran out of numbers. So okay. It filled up really yeah, quick. Yeah, I think Schwartz was the last one I put on. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting though too because these guys, you know, this regime likes to keep these draft picks. They don't right. like to cut them from that fifty-three man roster. So that is a guy I think that I've been interested by this as this kind of went on today. Him and then Isaiah Weston seems to be another one that people seem like really curious mm-hmm. about given his abilities. So it will give those guys a chance to like get more quote-unquote meaningful reps I think but I'm still like kind of in the camp of they need another guy like it just like you said Dan feels a receiver short but I think I would feel that way even if this didn't happen to Anthony today. And, and you know what and I think we can all agree on this it's not necessarily that it feels a receiver short but it sort of feels a, a veteran yeah. receiver right, short. Right. Mm-hmm. An accomplished receiver short yeah. because you do have the Isaiah Westons and you do have the Michael Woods and you do have the Jamarcus Bradley. Mm-hmm. Wims is on PUP right now um, but you do have some of these young guys. And, you know, so that's really not the issue bodies-wise. It's the issue that, you know, I keep thinking, if if Amari Cooper goes down, what are you going to do just in terms of just that veteran presence, yeah. that guy, that go-to guy that you know can get you that catch whenever you need it? Another name I want to throw out, and this one is interesting regarding Schwartz is there's an undrafted guy he's smaller he's faster than Mike Harley looked okay kind of early in the spring and he's kind of a small quick guy out of Miami um, and I think those are the guys like oh if the, you know if this guy's really fast we can do a lot of the same things 
as we did with Anthony Schwartz. Again, I I think this any scenario where Schwartz is not on the roster is highly unlikely for what we just said about Michael Woods, right? We're talking about a seventh-round pick. You want to keep that investment. Well, a third-round pick, for sure, you want to keep that investment. So I, I don't think Schwartz is going anywhere. But this just kind of gives guys an opportunity to move in front of him or show, like, hey, you know, you can't... We've seen it before where guys play their way on. They're so good in the preseason you know you're not going to get him through waivers to get on the practice squad, so you have to put him on the roster if you want to keep him. And that that's where the numbers game gets interesting. Yeah, and I, exactly. And I also think that they really have this fundamental belief that Deshaun Watson can turn any receiver <laughs> into Larry Fitzgerald. Right. So, um, so I think I think there's something to that that they believe that a Michael Woods. Jamarcus Bradley, some of these younger guys, the Isaiah Westons and Michael Harleys that we're talking about, are going to look really, really good when they have Deshaun Watson throwing them the ball. And I'll tell you what, even just in these offensive drills that we watched today, that is a nice football that he throws. (laughs) I mean, that's a nice ball that he throws. I mean, my goodness, the arm talent is sensational. It it just looks different. Yeah. And then you see Jacoby Brissett, who's an accomplished quarterback. Like, he's an NFL quarterback. You see Josh Dobbs. You you see them step up and throw the ball. It's just different. It's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know, I mean, when you see greatness, it's not really hard to pick it up. It really jumps out at you. When you watch Miles Garrett practice, it's like, oh, that's a future Hall of Famer. When you see Deshaun Watson, it's the same thing. Ashley, among all the things Kevin Stefanski says to us that don't really mean anything. He, I did think it was interesting, kind of based on what Mary Kay just said, that he was asked about receivers and adjusting to quarterbacks, and he said, eh, it's just the receiver's job to get open and catch the football. Yeah. That's, that's the job description. That almost kind of goes along with what Mary Kay was just saying. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Get open, catch the football, the quarterback's going to get it to you. Yeah, like, I think they're kind of anticipating that Deshaun Watson elevates these guys, but... If he's out for any kind of period of time with a suspension, they are going to have to just get open. And I think, like, we've even talked about that, too. Like, this offense is still going to need big plays from Amari Cooper. Like, he's still a number one receiver, even without Deshaun Watson. And it should, hopefully, make Jacoby Brissett's job easier. And I think we've said it on here before as well. Like, Jacoby Brissett hasn't had this kind of roster before, we don't think, in his career. So he hasn't had anything really comparable uh, to what these guys should, in theory, be able to do. All right, let's take a break. Let's keep talking receivers uh, when we come back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Okay, so Ashley, you mentioned Amari Cooper. We heard from Amari Cooper today. Uh, Mary Kay, we did a, a stand-up video earlier uh, right off the practice field where I, I just thought it was interesting. There's this idea that Amari Cooper still has... It's still kind of out to prove people wrong uh, about him, even though he's been a very accomplished player in his career. Yeah, I mean, when you get traded twice in your career, you, you you have to ask yourself, sometimes I would think, you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, is there anything that I'm doing or not doing to make sure that this doesn't happen again? 
And I mean, it's interesting. We're hearing some uh, things out of out of Dallas where Jerry Jones is throwing some shade at Amari Cooper, and uh, you know, so it, it's kind of interesting because I mean, when when he's out there, he produces. I mean, every single year, uh, he puts up a one thousand yard season, and I think he's going to be dynamite with Deshaun Watson. But he noted today, I have a chip on my shoulder from having gotten traded. Yeah, you know, I mean, and last year in Dallas was a year, it was one of those years where, right, he didn't get to 1,000 yards, and there was a lot of, you know, they drafted a guy behind him, and now CeeDee Lamb is their number one, and it just, it's always felt, Ashley, like Amari Cooper is just kind of there. Like, he's this really good receiver, he's really dynamic, he makes a bunch of plays, puts up a bunch of yards, but just league-wide, it's just, oh, okay, Amari Cooper. But he's really good. Yeah, I was like, he might be kind of underrated, I think, and maybe, you know, some of that is, like, maybe because he does have those years where he's still productive, but it doesn't have that same kind of star power. I also think it's his personality, right? Like, again, we talk about receivers are probably the most mercurial group in the NFL, so he doesn't have the same kind of personality that an Odell Beckham Jr. does, for example, right? Like, he's a pretty much like kind of a workhorse like he just wants to go about and do his business I think um so that's that I think is is interesting with him and I do maybe wonder if even though he does have all these Pro Bowl appearances and the five 1,000 yard seasons like he does get overlooked a little bit still and has been expendable on some of these teams he's been on yeah I mean he got traded from it was then Oakland of course Dallas obviously didn't didn't want him for you know they decided that they wanted to pay other people I mean Mary Kay what's a reasonable expectation for him in this offense can he put up it's weird because we don't know exactly what Kevin's offense is going to look like now, but can he put up a 1,400-yard season? I think so. If Deshaun Watson is his quarterback, I, I for sure think he can because he will get those deep balls when Deshaun is in there. When Jacoby's playing, I don't necessarily think the deep ball is going to be in play anywhere near as much as it's going to be when Deshaun is out there. Um, so, you know, if he only has Deshaun for eight games, maybe he doesn't get to 1,400. I still think he can get to 1,000 fairly easily. Um, and I think when those two are together, uh, I think he has Pro Bowl potential again. Uh, so I think, you know, maybe the fifth Pro Bowl is in his future once he and Deshaun get going together. And hopefully he will use this as fuel. Whatever happened in Dallas and whatever Jerry is saying about him right now, hopefully it motivates him. And he's... Right, he had the line today. I didn't hear Amari's interview. He had the line when he was asked what's similar about Derek Carr and Amari um, and Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. He said they all wear number four. And like, first of all, great, quick thinking there. Good job, Amari. But also, like, you know, look, I like Dak Prescott. He's a good quarterback. I like Derek Carr. He's a good quarterback. But actually, he's never played with a quarterback as talented as Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and I think you just talk about Deshaun Watson's arm like we were just saying before. I mean, it's just different. It's just elite in the way he can place the ball and the way he can keep plays alive and the way he can throw deep passes, how effective he is in the red zone, all these things. I Yeah, I don't think he's not like he's played with a quote-unquote bad quarterback in his career, but it hasn't been, you know, one of those guys like Deshaun Watson, and that's just the reality, I think. And can he make Jacoby Brissett better? I mean, does he have that that kind of ability, Mary Kay? You know, I'm not really sure about that, because I actually think that Derek Carr is a really good quarterback, and I think that Dak Prescott is a really, really good quarterback. Now, I think Deshaun is one level up from them. Uh, but, you know, it's not like he's going from... I, give me some. Uh, Carson Wentz. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Baker, there we go, Baker Mayfield. 
Let the record show I said I mean, Carson Wentz first. <laughs> he kind of did go from Baker Mayfield to Deshaun he Watson. Did. He's never had to catch any passes. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, so he has played with really, really good quarterbacks for the most part. I mean, Dak's been injured uh, at times, and he has still been productive, uh, even with the backup. But, um, but you know, anybody that's going to play with Deshaun, they're probably going to play the best ball of their career. Well, and one of the things, too, that I think is happening in, in the NFL now is people are focusing a little more on that thinking of the quarterback just makes every receiver better has, has been out there. But I think we're seeing more and more teams kind of emphasize this idea of let's have a quarterback and let's make sure he has a number one target. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's changing because obviously the Chiefs gave up Tyreek Hill. The Packers decided not to pay Devontae Adams. But for the most part, we've seen teams try to pair a great quarterback with a great receiver, at least for a little while until maybe it gets too expensive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's key. I think it's important. I think sometimes we overestimate the ability of the quarterback to get the job done without a receiver like that. I mean, even Tom Brady, you know, you know, if you take away, you know, Chris Godwin, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it you're not necessarily going to be who you were. Or could, I mean, Josh Allen without Stephon Diggs. I'm interested to see what Patrick Mahomes is without Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Now they did add a number of good receivers. Um, but still, I do think there's something to be said for having that battery, having at least that one sort of star player uh, that you can really connect with. I mean, I mean, Tom with Randy Moss was a different Tom Brady. That that helped him change his career from being like game manager right. to oh, I'm one of the best quarterbacks ever. Let me throw let me throw the football around a little bit. Right. Um, okay, let's talk vibes, Ashley. <laughs> we heard from John Johnson today. I know one of our favorite interviews, a guy who's always, he always brings it when he stands at the podium. And he was, he brought it the last, not the last time we talked to him, but at the end of the season, he brought it and kind of talked about the vibes of the team. And reporting back, it appears he's happier with where the vibes are right now. He is happier. And again, this is one of these guys who never really is afraid to speak his mind. He is the one who <laughs> said they would welcome Odell back with open arms in the midst of all that. He is the one who brought up that. They weren't playing complimentary football last year, that things felt off. Also the one who said they needed to do something with like strength and conditioning and injury <laughs> prevention, which they have that fancy new regen room, so he got his wish there. Um, but yeah, that was like the first thing he brought up today. He just said that the vibes, and yes, that was his word, were not just trying to be hip on the Orange and Brown <laughs> Talk podcast. He did say the vibes felt different this year. And I think, again, when I looked back at what he said exactly last season, and, you know, it got brought up, and he was like, I'm glad that we are bringing this up because <laughs> I have some things I want to say about this that we just don't have that complimentary football this year between the offense and the defense. So, a lot has changed. You know, I think some of this is COVID-related, right, because the offense and defense were in separate locker rooms even the last couple of years. So these guys weren't able to be together. They had restrictions on when they could be in the building. Um, obviously, as the offensive play on the field sort of declined last year or they were kind of middling along, um, you saw the, those defensive guys get frustrated when they intercept Lamar Jackson four times and still don't win, when they hold Green Bay to three points in the second half and still don't win. So I just think overall with these changes and the fact that these guys in the offseason have gone on their little offseason trips to the Bahamas <laughs> and Miami as well, like the work has been put in all around, it feels like. So they just seem happier, the people who were, you know, pointing that out as a real issue last season like him. Uh, Mary Kay, do you put stock in this or is this just sort of like, hey, everybody's back and, and happy first days of school, but then the homework's going to start and not everyone's going to be as happy? 
You know what I really think about this is that I think that the uh, the Baker Mayfield Odell Beckham Jr. saga created a rift on the team. I think a lot of the defensive guys did not know what to make of Baker Mayfield. I think there was a little bit of an, an attitude there that they didn't really understand. Um, and I think that it, it just wasn't a unifying situation last year. I don't think Baker knew what to make of who to trust or who was on his side or who was in his camp. It was just weird. And when you have young guys like Greg Newsom and JOK on a podcast talking about how you know, it just didn't feel right. How it was a distraction. Remember, Dan, you could just kept on saying last year, something's off, something's off. Right. You know, I mean, we weren't even in the locker room last year, and you right. could just you could yeah. feel it. And that's what it was. That is what it was. So I think Deshaun has come in, and I think he has helped set the tone for let's bring everybody together. Let's make sure we're a football team. Now it's it's tough to say that. I mean, you feel almost odd, you know, saying that when. He is in the situation that he's in right now. But just from a pure, you know, gym rat, locker room rat, football standpoint, he's one of those guys that brings a team together. But to, I think, Kevin's credit and the coaching staff's credit, that's not, even though it's something we talk about a lot, it doesn't feel like this suspension is hanging over everybody. And maybe that's just because they're assuming, like, oh, it'll be four games. You know, it's going to happen. It is what it is. We'll move on. But it doesn't feel like that's just hovering over it's not, not some guillotine you know it, it just doesn't feel like that it doesn't and I mean it is kind of in contrast to the Odell thing last year like it did feel like just start your yeah start your point over no it, tell me when it goes it's good uh go ahead it is interesting, too, last year to kind of think about this in juxtaposition to the Odell situation last year, because that whole week, it did feel like that was <laughs> hanging over this team. It did feel like that drama was hanging over. Those press conferences were some really tense media availabilities, and it just does not, for whatever reason, feel like it that these guys have been able to compartmentalize this issue right now. Yeah, and it's, a, it's tough, and mm-hmm. I wonder if that will continue you know once the suspension happens you know how is that going to change things i almost sorry i I almost feel like that'll even just make it better yeah because i feel like they're sort of like we are like can we please just get an answer yeah that's true the the fence sitting does get a little bit difficult and a little bit old (laughs) but i i do think that they're doing a pretty good job of managing a, a difficult situation i think kevin stefanski is so unflappable uh, you know, I, I think he knows how to set the tone in a situation like this. I think Miles carried that banner yesterday when, when he talked to everyone. Um, so, you know, I think for the most part they're doing a good job. Okay, I think that's everything. Day two of Brown's training camp in the books. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're doing one of these every practice day. And, yes, we will have the rare Saturday podcast uh, coming up as the Browns will open it up to fans on Saturday for the first time. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow on Friday as well uh, with a recap of whatever happens here in Berea. And whenever this Deshaun news breaks, we'll have that emergency pod. It'll be in your feed, so just make sure you're subscribed. For Ashley and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.